we welcome you to the live stream today. Um, We're just going to get right into it. And I asked my son if he would come and lead us in prayer here tonight. God, thank you that you have given us a day that we can even pay attention and learn what my dad is going to say. Lord, I pray that our thoughts will be on things above. I pray that even in times of distress that we will learn and trust to obey you for our ways are not your ways and our thoughts are usually not your thoughts. <laughs> Lord, I pray for the people here, they will have an ear to hear and that those who are listening to this will come to know you if they haven't. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, years ago, I was in the uh, Canadian wilderness and uh, while I was there, uh, we stayed out in the woods for like a week or so. And um, it was fascinating because, well, there was lots of things fascinating about the Canadian wilderness. But the thing that got to me was one day of the seven days, we had a solo day where we just spent some time on a little island by ourselves and um, had nothing but a Bible with us and our cup uh, for water and such. But I spent six to eight hours out there by myself, uh, with the Lord in prayer. And, um, every one of us, when we came back together as a group was so excited about the time we spent alone with God. And, um, we all were thrilled with that opportunity. And I was thinking of how often since those days, uh, even though I know the thrill of that, I've often neglected that kind of discipline, that kind of time alone with God. And this whole current situation in which we find ourselves has imposed some, some weird restrictions on us all. And it's made life slow down, at least for me. It's a, it's a little more chaotic in certain ways. At the same time, I'm more homebound, of course, like you all. And um, it's made me go return to some, some basic thoughts, some things that I need to spend time deep in, in prayer on. And I remembered that time alone in the wilderness. I remembered that time sitting there alone with God for so long. And I was thinking of um, how this opportunity before us is unique. And I don't know that we'll ever experience something quite like this again. Lord willing, we don't. At the same time, we have no idea what God's up to. We have no idea what He's doing. We know He's sovereign. We know He's in control. We know that He is completely uh, aware of what's going on and, and Lord of it all. Uh, we don't wonder, um, really, if he's in control, we wonder how we're going to respond. And so when I look at my own life, I start thinking, how am I going to respond to this? What am I going to do with this? Am I going to just read the news and fret and worry uh, about things I can't control? Uh, or am I going to turn to the one who, who can do something? Uh, more than cure a disease, he can quiet my soul. And so I start looking at passages that are near and dear to my heart and things and all kinds of different passages pop up for doing a live stream. And uh, one of the ones that, that rises to the surface for me is Matthew 6. So if you would turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, we're going to look at that real fast. But as you go there, when you turn it over to Matthew 6 verse 1, on your way over there, I wanted to throw this in there. That comes from Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, where it says this, that he who comes to God, the one who would come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. 
this passage here, this early part of Matthew 6, is all about who are you seeking a reward from? Um, so if you're over there in Matthew 6, and you're in verse 1, Jesus starts this section with a word that's beware. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. This is a um, intimidating thing to hear. To start out the sentence with beware seems um, a little bit jarring or shocking. And I think it's that's, of course, intentional. I remember as a kid, uh, we had a paper route growing up. And uh, we had this one area of streets. We called it Dog Alley. I don't know why. Anyway... Uh, we, we went, whenever we go down that street, this, this whole street had all these scary dogs on it, at least for us as kids. And they had a, the one house had a Rottweiler, one house had a, uh, Siberian Husky and, uh, another house. I remember what that thing was, but he was a scary looking dog. And, uh, whenever you went around that corner, there was, we came around that corner down to dog alley. There was this fear that would grip me almost every day <laughs> that I would go there. We did that paper out for seven years, so I had a lot of uh, familiarity with that street. And when you came around it, nobody there weren't many signs that said beware, uh, but my heart suddenly was gripped with that, that fear to beware. I'm, on, I'm in a dangerous spot. I'm in a place where these dogs that, you know, as a kid doing that, they, these dogs, some of them were bigger than me. Uh, they, they were scary. And uh, we're all aware of people that put up signs that say, beware of dog and all that sort of thing. Um, and that, that's what that word is meant to do. Arrest your attention to, to bring to mind this is something intimidating, this is something scary. And I don't think most of us would imagine of using that word to beware, like I was talking about with being frightened, uh, in reference to our righteousness. That is, to our practice of faith out in public. Um, and yet that's how Jesus frames it. That's how he says it. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men. Beware of practicing your religion, your, your ways of showing people that you love God. Be, be careful as you do that out in public, as you do that in front of other people. Notice he says here further, to be noticed by them. A lot of people have a religion that makes them look like a good person. Uh, makes them look like um, someone impressive, somebody who puts up a, a good facade or a good front. And they succeed. Quite often they succeed. As you read down further through this passage, you'll find that a lot of times they, they do get the reward. The Pharisees of this time, uh, before Jesus came on the scene, they were certainly uh, looked up to very highly. And they were thought of in a very good light. People thought that they were the spiritual holy rollers. And for Jesus to come in and, and start talking like this is, is shocking. Um, because other people looked at them and they thought, well, that's what a spiritual person looks like. That's what a holy person looks like. Because they were practicing that prayer or they were practicing that fasting or their giving or anything like that in a way so that you could see it. And that's what he goes through in this passage. He looks at their giving. How is, how is it that they pray? How is it that they fast? How is it that they practice godly living out in public? Um, but if you notice the last part of this verse, he says this, people will notice you if you do those things, if you practice this religion out in front of others. But Notice the, the, the scary part of this. He says, otherwise, 
you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. The whole reason to practice righteousness, the whole reason to um, follow Christ is for the reward from Him. And to, to hear that you can lose all of that because you're too worried about the praise and applause you're getting from people ought to make us pause. So then that takes us back to that first word, beware. That ought to make us pause. And right now with things going on as they are, um, I get a chance to look at my own life of Christ and consider how deep is it? How much am I actually looking to Him for the reward? And how much am I just glad that people think that I'm holy? So he says this to um, add some illustration to the point that he just made to flesh it out. He says in verse 2, So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. All reward they're ever going to get for that um, supposedly godly action is going to be that ooh and awe, that praise they get from the people who happen to see it at the time. That's all the more it gets. God is not pleased. God's not impressed. And so they lose whatever value there would be eternally, which is to lose the entire reason why you would do it. Um, we ought to want to give and to help and to support those who are less fortunate. There's going to be opportunities to do that with the, the effects that are coming from this coronavirus, or so it would seem. Um, but the challenge will be, am I doing that so that people see I'm a good guy? So that they see that I'm something that they should be in awe of or inspired by on that level. The hypocrites make sure you see it when they do it. They make sure there's a camera rolling when they do their good deeds. They make sure somebody takes note of it because that's where they really have their treasure in the praise of men. He continues to illustrate this further in verse 3 when he says, But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that when your giving will be in secret, so that your giving will be in secret, excuse me, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Uh, The goal here is uh, to hardly be aware of it yourself to hardly give attention to it yourself. Don't, don't erect a monument to it. Don't take pictures of it and, and make sure you spread the news around. But instead, make sure that you're looking for that reward from God Himself. Remember what I was reading there in Hebrews 11 when he said, we must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. So this is an issue of faith. Do I believe that God is truly going to reward me? for my behavior that was done when no one could see it. Continuing, he says in verse 5, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. They were honored guests at parties, at, at gatherings, and the synagogues and things like that. If you went from, if you were a, a known teacher and you go to another synagogue, people, oh, the great man has shown up. Let's have him pray. They loved that. They loved to have a seat of prominence. They loved to be first among 
the people, and they, they liked that attention. So there is another rebuke, as I consider, I'm in front of a crowd teaching or preaching or praying regularly here at our church, as you know, and that's a, this is a verse that's always rolling around in my head. Um, when I pray, am I trying to make sure people think that I sound spiritual or sound like I got my stuff together or anything like that? Or am I actually just talking to my Father in heaven? He says then to give us the proper way to understand our prayer life. He says then in verse 6, But you, as a child, of, as a, a disciple of Christ, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray that your Father who is in secret, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the fifth time that reward has been brought up already. Uh, he's, he's holding out that incentive out in front of them. Do I want reward from God? Well, if I do, there's a way to go about practicing righteousness. And it's not to be on display. It's not to be on show. And when you are praying, he says in verse 7, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. So a lot of times they would get into a mantra and they get themselves worked up and they would say the same phrase over and over in order to provoke the God to act or to listen or something like that. That was common habit. And we see Christianity veering into that in different categories now. People, as they're praying, they got to slip into a, a, a special form of prayer as they might see it, an ecstatic speech of some kind that they think will somehow get God's attention and get him to pay attention to what they're doing. Uh, he says, look, don't use meaningless repetition. Don't keep saying the same things. That's what Gentiles do. And this whole thing is about a distinction between God's people and the rest. The distinction between God's people, those who actually truly follow him, and in everybody else. Uh, that's an opportunity that we need to, to seize upon in the midst of whatever's going on in your home. Maybe in your home, you're not even worried about this thing at all. Uh, maybe in your home, you're really scared. Uh, there's a wide variance within our own church body of people receiving him in the middle of this. Are you one who is looking to him for that reward? He continues in verse 7 after saying that's what Gentiles do. The Gentiles of our world are going to freak out because this world's their home. This thing hits and people are getting sick and all that. And of course they're scared. Their science has failed them. But our God is not. He's not left us. And so we ought not respond to this as the Gentiles do, as the unsaved do. We have a faith in God in the midst of this. And they have none of it. They have no hope outside of this world. And our home isn't even here. One of my boys said the other day, he said, man, I'm thankful. I said, for what? He said, this world is in our home. You know, this, this world is in our home. This isn't where we belong, ultimately. I thought that was pretty good for a young man to figure out. Notice the Gentiles, they suppose, in verse 7, that they will be heard for their many words. They think because they offer big words and big prayers that their God, he's paying attention. They, they think that's how the gods of their world work. We know better. We've been informed by the word. We know exactly what our God is like. And then he says this, so do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Um, after this comes the Lord's Prayer that you're very familiar with, I'm sure. 
but he stops it here for a moment. I would have a stop here and think for a moment. He says, don't be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask. He's not alarmed by any of this. He's not taken off guard by the concerns and fears that I have. Instead, what he would have me do is give him my heart in this. Trust fully in him. Acknowledge him in all my ways and let him make my path straight. Uh, I hope that as we look through this passage here just for a few minutes, that you're reminded of your own secret life with God. And that as you walk with him in the details of your life, you're looking to him for the reward, not the stuff that people are going to give you. That'll come and go just as quick as, as the stock market rises and falls. Uh, but our God never changes. He's never intimidated by what's going on. He's never lost his cool. And we're so thankful that he is in control and that he's doing something. I was just thinking the other day about how, I mean, what is it that God might be doing with this? And I can't even wrap my mind around. Maybe right now the rapture is going to come. Be perfect timing. <laughs> you know, it'd be a great opportunity. And people would be freaked out thinking that it's something else. I don't know what he's doing, but I have a faith and a confidence in him. And in response to, to what we were talking about, I, I want us to pray again. I asked my son if he would come and close us in prayer. And after that, I have an announcement or two. So, Dear Heavenly Father, creator of heaven and earth, we pray that uh, we will have a real faith, not a faith just to make us look good. I pray that we will um, try to keep our minds on things that things above and not on things below and on earth mm. help us to um follow you and to have stronger faith in you in jesus name amen, amen. thanks bud uh, a couple of announcements to bring to your attention sunday the live stream is at 10 a.m and uh also a if you're trying to stay up to date with things, we have the School Reach uh, phone program that's going out. If you want to be added or removed to that, let us know. Uh, call the church office. And also, we have the app. Then many of you probably have never used the app, but we would encourage you to go to the App Store or whatever on your Google Play Store and uh, download the Southern View Chapel app. Just type in Southern View Chapel. You'll find it. There's no competitors. Uh, so download that app. And if you go to where the bulletin section is on that app, there's updates coming out through that. So we hope that uh, we can keep you up to speed on what's going on as best we can. And uh, if we can be a help to you or if these uh, these live stream uh, efforts are helpful, let us know. Uh, feedback is very helpful. We don't want to waste your time or ours on this. We, we hope to really encourage you during our time separated from one another. And we look forward very much to the day that we get to all be back together. But more than that, Maranatha, may the Lord come. We'll see you guys. Thank you.